Cold Stove Podcast. We are back. I am live in Austin, Texas, presented by Wash Media. NRD is in the rumor cave. Uh, what's going on today, NRD? Nothing much, man. It's a fun episode. I think we got a lot, a lot of people to talk about, a lot of cities to talk about. We'll have a fun one this week. Yeah, well, I first wanted to lead off. This is the part of the podcast where um, if we were able to secure NHL rights and perhaps uh, insert a sound clip or two from the league, I would have put Patrick Laine, uh perhaps beating the Toronto Maple Leafs in overtime last night. Shouts to Plus 205 in Columbus. Did you happen to catch that game, NRD? I did. It was a good game. I don't know what the hell is up with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Not really sure why they forgot how to play hockey. And uh, th- two back-to-back legit- losses. Jack Campbell's having a weird run. He's like bottom five or six in the league and goals, uh, goals, whatever that weird stat is, goals saved against expected or whatever it is. And he's to like, be, I mean, right to now. be fair, it was Mrazek against Montreal, but fair. still, it was Mrazek against Montreal the other night. But oh. the, the Leafs have just looked god awful. And I almost wonder, I had a good conversation, not to spend all this time about the Toronto Maple Leafs, but I had a good conversation with one of my friends who's a Leafs fan. We were discussing kind of what Dubas should do coming up at the deadline. Obviously, you would think defense now with Muzzin, potentially on LTIR, got knocked out of that game against Montreal. But I I wonder if you just go all in on the offense. If you're Toronto, like enough of building out the roster with like third and fourth liners, just go full on, you know, guys that could score goals. Go try to win game 6-4. Exactly. Yeah, just like embrace it. Like I, I, it's an option. I mean, Dubas' contract is up at the end of the season. So we'll see. I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but uh, that's enough Toronto Maple Leafs. They did they get enough talk around the league. Let's t- let's talk about a team that doesn't get enough talk unless they're in the NRD in the sights of the NRD Space Laser. That's the Columbus Blue Jackets. Patrick Laine, pretty valuable piece, I'd say. Don't you think? He's a great player, man. A lot of people oh, in Columbus yeah, yeah. like him too. I heard, so I've heard, so I've been told many, many times that he likes the city of Columbus as well. So <laughs> his girlfriend is apparently obsessed with Columbus, Ohio, which is awesome because Artemi Panarin's wasn't. So, uh, uh, yes, you know, good to <laughs> good to win over the, uh, the spouse slash significant other before you uh, lock it down in a city for seven or eight years. We uh, we kid we appreciate the uh, all of the Columbus Blue Jackets discourse on Twitter, if you will. I always appreciate going back and forth. I was actually away from my computer NRD for a little bit um, away from Twitter for a little bit when when that first started popping off and I didn't know the Columbus fan base was as juiced um, slash engaged as they are. So shouts to them. They are quickly climbing the rankings of Twitter, uh, Twitter spheres that I do not want to go to war with along with the Islanders and the Bruins. Yeah. They're uh they're a friendly bunch. They're very, I'll tell you this. They're very articulate, man. I saw some tweets. I saw some letters written. We got a, a very articulate bunch of Columbus Blue Jackets fans. We appreciate them, especially because they got all that time on their hands in Columbus. I mean, what else is there to do? Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> uh, somebody who might not be there as well is Patrick Lana, who's an RFA. This is a UFA, Max Domi. Remember that name, NRD? You know, a lot of high hopes for Max Domi in years past, and he's kind of subsided to a third-line center in this league. Can you believe Max Domi is 26 years old? Feels like just yesterday he was getting shipped out of Montreal. Uh, it's just, it's just absurd. You think of like, think of Montreal back in the. All right, we're going to be Domi, Suzuki, Kotkaniemi, and Deneau. Like, imagine that center spine right now in Montreal, and just now they're 
Now they're not. They wouldn't be in the spot they're in right now if they had those guys still in play. You'd have to imagine they wouldn't be almost last in the league. But uh, anything you see with Domi other than him 1,000% leaving Columbus this summer? No, he's gone. And if you look at it, I mean, comparatively, it's hard to compare apples to oranges, but if comparatively speaking, Domi's much more likely to be on the move than Patrick Laine. And I'll touch really quick on the Laine stuff too. I mean, that's just to clear the air with all the Columbus Blue Jackets fans on Twitter and, you know, some Islanders fans too that were throwing out some crazy things on the other side of the spectrum. <laughs> I don't think Patrick Laine is necessarily on the chopping block. I don't think Yarmo Kekalainen is looking to move Patrick Laine. Why would he? He likes the city of Columbus. He's an RFA at the end of the season, but that in lies the problem in itself is qualifying offers upwards of $7 million. You don't really know how much you're going to pay him if you're going to lock him down long term. You don't really know what the path of the organization is going forward, what they're going to do in net, who they're going to bring in to be their number one goaltender, if they're going to give up, you know, Elvis or um, Copasalo, who they have in net there. So there's a lot of things up in the air for the Blue, Blue Jackets right now. And I think that leads to, hey, teams like the New York Islanders haven't heard anything concrete there specifically with them, but it leads to teams like that, like a Buffalo Sabres team who might be on the outside looking in right now, willing to buy a younger guy like Line because he's they have the money to re-sign him. He is an RFA at the end of the season. So that kind of clears the air on why I think Line is in play. I say that in air quotes. I don't think he's heavily being shopped. I don't think Yarmark Hekalainen is a pushover. He's going to be a stubborn son of a bitch that we know him to be, you know, in negotiations. But teams, it doesn't stop teams from calling. As for Domi, I think that he slots in perfectly on a team's third line in the playoffs. And you're going to see teams like... If Vancouver holds on to JT Miller and doesn't trade their center and Hurdle somehow, you know, opts back into San Jose, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, like now you're looking at guys like Domi on the cheaper end of things for a team like the Boston Bruins, right? Or the Florida Panthers. They slot in Max Domi onto that third line. There's your depth. He provides a little bit of grit. He's got a lot of skill to provide still, I think. So he is definitely going to be moved, I think, sooner than the offseason. I think he gets moved at the deadline. Yeah. I, and uh, you know what? I, I'm shaking my head because it made so much sense for a match Domi to go to a team, play on their third line, and and he's probably a, a a second line player who plays in the third line of a really good team. I mean, imagine you like wouldn't Boston kind of love a player like that? Yeah, and that's and I mean we've if been they talking can make about that happen, but if you're not going to have David Krejci for the playoffs, can you put can you put a a guy like match Domi on your second line? I don't know. I can see Match Domi wherever he would go. And he is a, a pending UFA, so I would imagine he is gone sooner than later, especially before the deadline. He could earn himself a a raise. Like he's making 5.3 right now. He could earn himself a raise by going and putting up 20 points in the playoffs somewhere or 15 points in the playoffs somewhere. Like he could have one of those hot streaks for a team that is is believes in him and gives him the opportunity to, to do so. Now that Columbus hasn't, I'm just saying they're not a very good team right now. But I could see that big time for Max yeah. Domi. And I and we've continued to talk about how Don Sweeney's looking for, you know, another disgruntled player, maybe not in a great situation for Jake DeBrusque. So you could just add that to the list of hashtag makes sense on makes sense on this show. You know, as we talk about potential center fits in Boston and, and an avenue to get rid of DeBrusque, I think that there's a natural fit too if the two teams decide to go down that path. I just think that this happens closer to the deadline than today. Speaking of deadlines, uh, some recent reporting on Claude Giroux from your Twitter feed. NR, do you want to explain your tweet from a couple hours ago? Yeah, so there's a lot of conflicting things out there, and I don't, 
you know, nobody loves slinging mud more than me when it comes to this stuff. But at the same time, I don't want to discredit, you know, any good reporter talking to their sources. They obviously trust the people they talk to, but I trust who I speak to just as much, if not more. So that being said, there's nothing left unsaid between Claude Giroux and the Flyers front office at this point. No, there hasn't been a, hey, here's my, you know, I'm only going here yet. I only want to be in Colorado or I only want to be in Florida or St. Louis for that matter. It's more of Chuck Fletcher through back channels and through talking to his agency is very aware of Claude Giroux's intentions and where he'd like to end up. That, you know, also we know through Elliot's reporting and myself that the Claude Giroux camp has been able to seek out kind of fits and self-recruit, if you will, potential options around the league. So combination of that, combination of Chuck Fletcher understanding where where Giroux's at right now, I think that this just gets closer and closer to the deadline. Nothing's imminent today. Teams will continue to kick tires. That's what one reporter referred to it as. And I, I don't disagree per se. I think there's been more discussions with a team like Colorado than, than others. You know, Sackett could, has been out to Philly. Danny Breer has been out to Colorado to watch a couple of games. There's clearly more traction there than other teams. But it's just going to be Chuck Fletcher saying, hey, I'm going to work the phones. I'm going to work this thing till we get close to the deadline. He's going to play his 1,000th game as a flyer, hopefully. And then I'm going to come to the Claude Giroux camp on that day and be like, you were cool with this team, right? All right, yep, let's get this done. So I don't think anything's happening today or tomorrow per se. But I also, you know, I I think it's obviously media fluff and lip service to say that Chuck Fletcher hasn't spoken to Claude Giroux or doesn't really know what Claude Giroux is intending to do here. Writing's on the wall. It's very clear with through informal discussions. Let's stay in that locker room, but go to the defensive side of that locker room. Two guys that are picking up steam in recent days are Rasmus Ristolainen, everybody's favorite, and Justin Braun, who is a 35-year-old right-handed shot making $1.8 million and a pending unrestricted free agent. It's Glenn Sather's wet dream right there. Do you like either of those two guys, NRD? I obviously don't, so. (laughs) Rasmus Ristolainen, and we've talked about him a ton on this show. The player believes that he could provide a lot in a seven-game series. And if you're a team that buys that, I don't know if I'm necessarily buying it, but if Good you're a team luck. that buys it, then yeah, Chuck Fletcher's going to recoup some of that uh, some of that package that he gave up for him in the offseason at the draft. Not saying it's going to be the 14th overall pick. Not saying it's going to be high. But you get one of these teams in the 25th to 32nd pick range that is going to give up first picks like their candy, This especially this year's draft supposed to next year's draft where the value is a little bit higher to deeper class, then I could absolutely see one of those defensive needing te- needy teams stepping up and Rasmus is a rental, just like Justin Braun, but Rasmus Ristolainen's a little younger. We dog on the guy, but he does play a little bit more of a physical game just because of the age gap between him and Braun. So I think there's a little bit to be had there with Ristolainen. Braun, typical rental. You're going to see like a third round pick for Justin Braun at like 2 p.m. on deadline day. Yeah, it's going to be the the Colin Miller, the, the Sabres. The, like, Colin Miller was playing really well to begin with. He was shooting like some, like 27% or something absolutely insane then got hurt. Um, but he's a right-handed defenseman, so is Braun, so is uh, Ristolainen. And we've seen that righty defenseman market just be crazy, for, for, you know, for lack of a better term. There's not many of them. So when they come right. available, whether they're good or bad, you'd want one in the lineup. And you know what? There's and there's lefties that can play right, but there's just nothing as natural as a right-handed defenseman playing 
right-handed or right D because it's, it made so much more sense from a cross ice pass standpoint, from a vision standpoint, you don't have to turn into the, into the middle of the ice to make a play. It, it just made sense. And those are two guys that I would imagine or three guys with Miller that I would imagine end up on the move. One guy who's a left-handed defenseman that uh, just broke a certain record is Keith Yandel. Do you see a guy like that going to a locker room that needs a veteran presence ahead of the playoffs? Obviously, I love Keith. Sonk master. He's mm. a great personality, but he hasn't been that good this year. He really no, has. he hasn't been good in like three or four years, let's be honest. He's going to be fantastic on a podcast in about three years. That's that's his whole plan. There's a specific As it should be. podcast I have in mind, too, that I think he huh, I wonder film. which one. But he hasn't been good for the last couple of years, and that's no fault to him. Father time is catching up to him. So could he be moved? Absolutely. If a team's looking for you know depth, maybe a seventh defenseman, sixth guy for the most time, then he could sit in the press box for a couple of games. But then again, if you're Keith Yandel, and he does have a, I believe he does have a no trade clause, or at least a limited one to some degree. He has a no trade clause. Yes. And, and if he's close with Kevin Hayes, granted Hayes hasn't been in the lineup for a little while, who knows when he's coming back, but he's close with a lot of the guys on the Flyers. Does he really want to uproot again anyway if it's not an opportunity to go win a Stanley Cup? So that's kind of up in the air right now. Like He doesn't really can have a ton you, of value. And he doesn't, can I give you a name? Yeah, go for it. Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. Tampa. Yeah, for many reasons, yeah. For many reasons, but... And they could afford him, Tampa. too. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that. 900 on the books. Tampa. <laughs> yeah. That's a, Tampa, um, that's a Tampa Bay Lightning member, if I've ever seen one. Let's round out the Flyers for defenseman goalie talk with Martin Jones. Has he played his way into a point where he can get enough value that the Flyers are comfortable parting ways with him? He's playing decently in lieu of the fact that you know god knows what's going on with carter hart right now he's got like pink eye or something like that so yeah so he uh yeah the old uh the old pink guy a couple memes going around with that one yesterday the old conjunctivitis for carter hart so uh until he is healthy i guess you kind of need goaltenders in the system right now that's the benefit of this happening now and not on march 21st so there is a little time to wait on martin jones it really depends on how the goaltending market evolves over the next couple of weeks, right? Because clearly, and we know from Elliot that Edmonton has tried, but Edmonton is lowballed. I mean, they've thrown fifth-round picks out there. Chuck Fletcher's balked at that. And if there, if the goalie market continues to add names, whether that's Huso, potentially the Columbus guys, Marc-Andre Fleury. Samsonov Samsonov now. now yeah. Even Vitek Vanacek, too, depending on what path you know Washington goes in or what they need to spend to get. Like, as we add names to this market, Martin Jones will just seat lower and lower. And if you're Chuck Fletcher and you kind of need him right now anyway for injury insurance, why you win any rush? Yeah. It's my take. Totally on agree. Martin Jones stuff. So Totally agree. I mean, I think the, the goalie market is, I, I don't know if it was CJ or, or Frank Saravalli mentioned that the goalie market's like light right now. I totally disagree. I think the, the goalie market is almost too saturated. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's one A, or excuse me, everybody's one B, and and the Buffalo Sabers number one, Craig Anderson, forty year old Craig. Uh, Everybody's on on the table right now, and as as is the forward market, right? Like this is the silly time, a month before the trade deadline, where we get to throw every name in the world at the wall because they hashtag make sense for a team, which they do. We're not saying they don't, but everybody's in play right now. Absolutely, everybody. Semyon Varlamov, another name I forgot to mention. He's how about Yorgi? How about Yorgiev too? 
playing as well. I'll tell I you mean, what, there's been more <laughs> Georgiev talk these past couple of days than there has been, you know, in back channels. There's been more talk about Georgiev than there has been in a very long time. He hasn't been playing great, but he's an RFA, which obviously means a lot to some teams that are looking to acquire a guy on the down low who could potentially play his way into being a backup in years to come. The one team that I'm plugged in with is, or more, I should say more than others, but the one team I'm really plugged in with is the Buffalo Sabres. And from what I've heard, trying to get any scoop I can, you know, for the listeners of Cold Stove Podcast, is that it's basically, yeah, no shit. Everybody's talking to everybody right now. There's phone calls and group texts going around that it's like, how about this? How about that? It's basically like the boys at Applebee's having a couple of bats. Yeah. Every name in the world is out there right now. So we're going to try to dial that in as the trade deadline, as are the, the GMs. But it's that time where people are starting to go scout. You imagine Sackett can be in, in Philadelphia and Kevin Adams going to Michigan to watch his prodigy Owen, Owen Power play, who Elliot reported is going to play for the Sabres this year. So excited to see that. But let's stay in Buffalo, NRD, because Victor Olofsson is a guy that's made a couple of headlines the past um, couple of days, I guess, past week or so. Uh, left shot guy you can play the right side because that's kind of a an interesting position for the for his shot I should say he's a big snapshot kind of guy he's been one hurt pretty significantly this year he missed a couple of games earlier in the season with an upper body injury that I'm not going to say on the podcast but absolutely affects your shot so it, it, he's not himself right now and I think that's pretty evident because he doesn't have his full power behind the shot. That's his whole thing is his shot, right? Number two, I specifically asked him, like, what is this Victor Olofsson shit? Like, I, I haven't heard this smoke before from anybody that normally would give me Sabre smoke. And I've gotten no across the board there. So this smoke is coming from, from places that I don't, either I don't have in my repertoire or it's just that or smoke screen kind of stuff. Outside the so organization saying, too. Yeah, I mean, maybe people are calling on him. Elliot mentioned on After the Whistle that Chris Drury might like him yeah. in New York. I don't know if that makes a ton of sense. He's a very offensive specialist kind of guy. Uh, so maybe he's just a power play tool for them, but their power play is already very good. He actually, so I, I don't know. You know, I don't want to make a shitty comparison, but in certain facets of the game, he reminds me of Riley Smith. And what Riley Smith could potentially provide to the Rangers. Sure, not, he's not as fast as Riley Smith. He's not going to be as much of an up-and-down player. But in the offensive zone, I think that if the yeah. Rangers are targeting Riley Smith for what he can do in the offensive zone, and for some reason they can't get that done, I could understand where Elliott's going with the whole Chris Jury might like a guy like Olsen. Sure, sure. And I, you know what? I love Victor Olsen. He gets a lot of shit in Buffalo because he was a, a big-time point getter a couple of years ago, kind of burst onto the scene, and then they sort of got figured out in the power play. And he has, he's basically the opposite of Ovechkin, where he plays that other top of the circle and just rips, whether it's a one-timer or just kind of a catch-and-release quick spot. He's a, he's a great player, but he's very um, one-dimensional. It's the shot. It's the corners. You know what he's got, you know, night in, night out. He gets a little creative in the offensive zone, but I just haven't heard enough smoke from the people that I trust with the Sabres camp that is Victor Olofsson's gone. You know, he's an RFA. I He'll get a decent raise, I guess, but it won't be much. So we'll see on Victor Olofsson. I'd like to have him on the team longer. But on the Sabres point, and 
Stop me if you get sick of the Buffalo Sabres talk on here. Not actually. I'm letting you rip for it's fun when Brett's got some scoops. I'm letting him go. <laughs> well, here's a scoop. Here's a scoop for you. They're largely expected to be sellers at the deadline, okay? Which they will be. Colin Miller, gone. Robert Hay, gone. Um Eakin, let's see potentially here. Cody Eakin. Cody Eakin. If if anybody'll take them, I'll take a bag of pucks. Those guys are all gone. Mark Pizik playing well, probably gone, and ideally he comes back. Did I say Robert Pizik? I meant Mark Pizik. No, you said Mark Pizik. Okay, so Mark, okay. Mark Pizik coming back. Craig Anderson's probably gone. Anyway, my point here is what I'm hearing is that they're also going to buy at the deadline. A guy with term, I don't know who or what or where, but look right-handed defenseman. Because their left side of the defense core looks like Owen Power, Rasmus Dahlin, and Matias Samuelson next year. Their right side is much more up in the air. So look for right-handed defenseman with term and a second-line player. That's all. That's all I kind of know. But they're also going to they're they're looking to buy at the deadline, which I I'm interested in. Maybe a goalie too. That's just my speculation, but right-handed defenseman, a second-line player, and it's kind of the the idea. Not a bad move either. I mean, I, I very briefly mentioned them a couple minutes ago when we were talking about line A. Like a guy like that who ne- doesn't isn't necessarily on a contract with term, but he is an RFA, and they do have the money to resign him. A guy like that, a guy like a Brock Besser, right, who like provides offense up front, and you know you have the money to either resign him or you have the money to afford his contract. I makes a lot of sense for a team like the Buffalo Sabres who if they truly trust the process that they're on right now, their windows will kind of ascend with a guy like that. So if you buy them a year early, maybe you get a little bit of a mm-hmm. discount. Uh, and they have, they have, well, one, they have ammo, right? They have three first round pitch right now. Maybe they get a fourth and one of some combination of their guys. I, I don't know if anybody's playing well enough. It probably was going to be Colin Miller. I don't know if he's playing well enough or healthy enough to to get a first back, but maybe they can flip flop some of their pitches. They basically have a top five ish pick at their current pace, and then Vegas and Florida, which literally could be the Stanley Cup matchup. So those the the second they're, they're two of their three first round picks are glorified second rounders, right? I look at a guy like Connor Garland. I'll, I'll stay in Vancouver. Who signed at four point nine five for a long time? True winger can play him on the first line, the second line, the third line. He's going to give you points. He's going to give you like attitude. I'd imagine he wants to be there. He's a Boston kid, closer to home. Kind of a division he's familiar with. I look at a guy like Connor Garland. Can I throw one name out there before we move on from the Saber stuff? Sure. And I don't think that. Bill Guerin is necessarily in a rush to move this guy anymore now. But in a perfect world, if the opportunity show, so should present itself to the Buffalo Sabres. Kevin. Kevin Fiala. Kevin. Kevin Fiala. I knew you were going with that. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard he's uh, I've heard he's of interest, but I don't know anything more than that. Yeah, and I don't know if Bill Guerin's potentially in such a fired-ass rush to move him anymore with Minnesota playing fairly well. They're going to make a run here. I don't see him wanting to change up too much on that roster as is. But in the offseason, you know, the money is still going to be an issue. I mean, I've, if you got a chance, I believe it was the NHL Watcher account on Twitter who does great stuff, kind of transcribes a bunch of stuff around the league, tweets out a little bit of his own kind of 
commentary, but he basically broke down the Minnesota Wild cap situation going forward, not this year, but into the next three seasons. Sure. They have so much money in dead space tied up with their buyouts, and they're in literal cap hell. So if Kevin Fiala is a casualty come the offseason, then you know I like the fit there in Buffalo. I do too. I do too. Honestly, I do too. He's going to be a – I can imagine that being a draft day trade much more than a trade deadline trade because he's going to be on the on the horse for the, the Stanley Cup run Correct. that they're going to try to make. But that's a name that will be very, very hot come – the end of the Stanley Cup playoffs and Kevin Fiala. Um, a name that's very, very hot for me right now, NRD, is HelloFresh. Because last night, your boy went off. I was doing citrus chicken rice bowl goodness last night. It was, it was, I, they, they'd send the, they send the ingredients to you in a little bag, like a, a little, like a grocery bag, fresh produce. I'm like, oh, my God, it's not just a frozen meal thing. No, 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 no. It is you're getting the ingredients and you're making the thing yourself, which I thought was pretty cool because that goes right to your door, including farm fresh produce that arrives within a week. So you get convenience without skimping on quality. Skip the trip to the grocery store, NRD, and saving you the wait in long lines and making sure you don't waste money on excess food. That's the biggest thing with me going to the grocery store. I live by myself. One bedroom, one bath, love where I live. Sometimes I waste food. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes you can't you can't buy a small amount of produce that you use in a week and it goes bad. But that's where HelloFresh is huge for me. Warm yourself up from the inside out with limited time recipes inspired by cozy classics from around the world. Like how about this? Beef tenderloin and cheese fondue or miso sesame shrimp and bacon ramen. Are you kidding me? I got Adam over here licking his lips like, dude. I got to get on this deal. Customize your favorite dishes with their new Hello Custom offerings by swapping out one protein or side for another, upgrading for a more lunch experience, or even adding protein to a veggie meal. That means more choices, more variety, and more meals truly tailored to you. HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality, and you can save on average over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. That's money back in your pocket. They offer 50 menu and market items to choose from every single week, including veggie, fit and wholesome, family-friendly, and gourmet options, providing you plenty, plenty of variety. Like I said, last night, I whipped up that chicken bowl. It just was really good. Like, you know how sometimes the frozen meals get a little like, oh, they're okay. They're smart. But no, big portion, huge flavor. Very, very happy with how it turned out. Your boy was just a, a wish. Chefing it up. I was like Patrick Line in front of the net last night, NRD. Kicking it up. No, I'll tell you what, I brought I uh I could I had the same bowl that you did. Oh, there you go. And the one thing I I'll tell you what, it's awesome because the one thing I took away from the HelloFresh kit that we got in was the portions are tremendous. It yes. comes pre packed, everything's ready to go. You see the lemon, you see whatever you need, the orange, the citrus, I think was for that chicken bowl too. And it's like Yep. Seems small. You look at it, you're like, no, this is the perfect size, it's the perfect portion comes right to your door. Everything was ice cold when it came in. It's a good deal, I'll tell you what. It's It's a a really good deal. You know what I learned how to do is uh, have and carve out a pepper, a core core of pepper, a poblano pepper. Don't touch your eyes after it, though. Just saying. Spicy. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Stove16 and use code STOVE16 for up to 16 free meals and three 
free gifts. Are you kidding me? That's HelloFresh.com slash Stove16 and use code Stove16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's like half a month's worth of, of food from yours, yours truly in NRD. No 32 days in a month, but 32 divided by two is 16. So yeah, spot on. I, I Pretty pretty close. Just 32 NRD. thoughts though. No 32 there days, but there's 32 thoughts. HelloFresh.com slash Stove16. Use code Stove16 for 16 free meals and three free gifts. Speaking of hot, Calgary Flames are on a roll, NRD. Red hot. You like you liking what you're seeing for the fighting Toffoli's now? I am loving what I've been seeing out of the Calgary Flames. Team is on firing on all cylinders, no pun intended. There he is. Okay. And, <laughs> and they're playing such good hockey, you know. And then they add a guy like Toffoli who can score. And he's not in the situation that he was in Montreal anymore. He's on a team that can push the puck down the ice and generate offense. They're going to continue to get better. Markstrom fell into a little bit of a lull pre-All-Star break. and He, he feels like he's back, he, right? He feels like he's back. That's Yeah, he's yeah. he's back now. He's playing at that top caliber. I don't know if anybody's going to touch Igor Shesterkin for the Vezina Trophy. So I'm going to be a little bit more weary as we go on over the next couple weeks to say Vezina candidate. I don't really think that anybody should come close, in my opinion, like, if I had a vote, Shesterkin's getting my vote for what he's kind of done for the Rangers. But, you know, top goalie in the league right now, Markstrom. He's playing out of his mind. The team is clicking. I think they were the first team in NHL history to win a seven-game homestand that they just came wow. off of. Uh, if I read that stat correctly, like no other team has swept a seven-game homestand before in NHL history. So they love it in the Dome. And, you know, they're a good team. Watch they out need for the a new rink. Flames. They need a new rink, but they're a good team. Yeah. Unless you want them to be the Austin Flames. The Atlanta Flames. That's, we'll be the, Bring them back we'll to Atlanta, the, man. <laughs> um, you mentioned Marchstrom. I want to ask you a an ignorant Vezina question. And that is, does the Vezina include playoff? Like, are, Do they vote ahead of the playoffs? Or do they? does the playoff production count towards the Vezina? It's the regular season. Okay. Or at least it okay. should be. I, I don't know exactly when the know. votes are due. But I yeah. know that it is voted on... Like, the award is not... When they award at the NHL award ceremony, sure. it, it's not in the recent weeks leading up to that. So I don't believe... It shouldn't have to do with the playoffs. I don't know exactly okay. the day that the votes are due, if it's after the first round or whatnot. Gotcha. Because he... You know, if he doesn't win and Shesterkin takes it home, like everybody kind of expects at this point, he should get votes. Oh, without a doubt. I think him and UC Soros should get Vezina votes. I think that you could see potentially Imagine. Billy Husso sneak in with, like, fifth place votes for the Vezina, ah, too. He's hey. played really well. Plays that well. I, I hope Jack Campbell gets a vote or two as well. I, He's played well enough that he should. Freddie Anderson. We can go on and on talking about goalies. I yeah. just think that, listen, if Shister, if Shisterkin scored that goal the other night against Ottawa, he should have oh. locked up the Hart Trophy too. <laughs> uh, speaking of, of good players on Calgary, Johnny Gaudreau obviously flying towards uh, a lot of money, to put it one way. The assistant GM, Craig Conroy, just said today on Sportsnet 960, we're going to get that deal done. Now, take that with a grain of salt. A lot of things can happen. But I could you see Johnny Goudreau staying up there north of the border? I could absolutely see it. And we talk a lot about breadcrumbs, right? Not everything's an NRD bond. There's some NRD droppings on this show and on my Twitter feed over the past couple of months or so. I've been trying to leave a little bit of a trail there that, yes, you can cue Diddy 
I'm coming home. It's technically in play for Philly too, but I don't think Calgary is out of the question for Johnny Gaudreau. If Calgary continues to play well and win, they have the money to re-sign him. They can clear some contracts off the books in the offseason. Sean Monaghan. So if the team buys him and they have more flexibility built out there, I, from what I know from speaking, you know, to sources close to the Gaudreau camp, it's absolutely a possibility that he ends up back in Calgary in the long term. Like I said, can't shut the door on Philadelphia or the Devils for that matter. Probably Philly over New Jersey at this point. And he is the big fish that Chuck Fletcher wants. Chuck Fletcher has talked a lot about top-end talent this offseason. No secret that he's alluding to the hometown boy, Johnny Gaudreau. But they, you know... Sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. They, but from what I know and from what I've been told by people who are in the know, Calgary's not out of the question for Johnny Gaudreau. It is not what it used to be of he's getting the hell out of Calgary. Calgary builds their team. Like, I've always been intrigued. Um, like, can this can this work? And that is they don't have a player making over $7 million currently. But they have 12 making over four. So can you build your team middle market out and be successful? And the Calgary Flames are doing that. Now that'll change this summer with Matthew Kachuk, who's a pending RFA, and Johnny Goudreau, who's a pending UFA. Obviously, that won't be the case anymore. But they're proving that, that can you do it and be successful? Sure. I mean, are you getting lucky with Markstrom? Maybe a little bit. Are you getting lucky with Mark Giordano? Absolutely. But you can kind of build a team with a bunch of guys making five million bucks in RD. Yeah. You don't need two guys making nine and two guys making eight, and then the rest of your team makes seven fifty, like a certain team that I root for tried to do for a little while. I don't know. I'm just I like Calgary. I hope they I hope they make a run in the playoffs because they just feel like it's, you know, but then again, that, that Western conference gets crowded quickly. Colorado, Vegas, Calgary. There's teams there. That's the Edmonton. There's some teams. That's the problem with Calgary right now. I'm not, listen, I'm not too worried about Edmonton, Um, but (laughs) there are, there are heavy hitters in the Western conference right now. The Calgary, listen, if Calgary was in the East right now, I think they'd be clearing away the top dog in the East over even Carolina. But sure. they're in the West, so we're talking about Colorado and Vegas, the two Titans that they're going to have to face, you know, come crunch time. All right, let's. Uh, you want to jump into the corner, NRD? Let's go. NRD's corner presented by nobody yet. Ooh, yeah, ooh, maybe maybe something coming up on there. There might be in something the, there in the works there. I think so. Uh, keep an eye out. Anyway, NRD JT Miller is he moving or not? You know, it's funny because I've, those who have been faithful of this podcast have known I've sent, I've said countless times that it is really 50 50. I have on the record, and I'm still supporting my take, that I lean a little bit more towards he should be moved or could be moved by the Vancouver Canucks. But I have always remained here saying that it is much closer to 50 50 than others have portrayed it to be. And now are saying basically that it's a hundred percent. Yeah. Basically saying that the Rangers are the team hottest for them and they're pushing and this is going to happen. And all these teams are in play. And I've been sitting here on this podcast saying pump the brakes. I think it's closer to 50, 50. Yeah. I think there's still a great possibility he's moved, but I don't think Vancouver is hundred percent on board with that yet. And now look what has happened. We're here today. It's February 23rd. We're less than a month out from the deadline. 
And now the noise is picking up on Connor Garland and Brock Besser, right? In Vancouver. And Rutherford himself went on air. Or actually, not Rutherford. It was Patrick Alvin, actually, who went on air the other day up at Sportsnet in BC and said, you know, we're, we're not in a rush to sell this guy. He's under contract for another year. We're playing pretty decent hockey. He fits well in, you know, Bruce's system. And he's our best offensive talent right now. He's out playing Pedersen. He's out playing Besser. He's out playing Garland. He is by far and away the best weapon that we have on this offense. And if we're a fringe team here and we think we can turn this around quicker than we, you know, quicker than previously thought, why give up on him? And then everybody kind of jumps on the board, the checkmark brigade, and I don't want to beat up on anybody and I won't name names, but now it's like, whoa, there's a potential that he stays. We don't really know what Vancouver's up to. And I'm not saying I'm the end all be all for everything Vancouver, but it's what I've been saying for a while now. I think that Vancouver is genuinely interested in seeing where this goes, even in another month's time from now. And hey, listen, if a team wants to step up, if the Boston Bruins want to step up and make an offer, if the Toronto Maple Leafs, I know Elliot mentioned them on Hockey Night in Canada the other night, and Leafs Twitter blew up and went into a frenzy because he linked uh, JT Miller to Toronto Maple Leafs. Leafs Twitter doing that? No way. No. Is anybody interested? How about the Leafs? I tweet a name, <laughs> and I always get like the Leafs in play here. And like, I'm fucking tweeting about a goalie. Like, no, you're not looking for a goalie right now. Um, <laughs> but there are a lot of linkages for JT Miller, including the Rangers. I've said here that I don't think the fit is there to bring him back in the organization, but calls have been placed. Larry Brooks, noted state media for the New York Rangers, has talked about it a few times in his articles. And if he's talking about it, then it means that it's been talked about in the Rangers front office. But, you know, there's a lot of balls up in the air for JT Miller, and I'm sitting here today again saying that I don't think I think it's truly 50-50 again how about we'll stay with Vancouver who might be acquiring perhaps a Pavel Zaka from our New Jersey Devil friends anything there it's all Elliot and I'll say that and it's not to say I, I don't believe it or not that's his scoop and you know I haven't heard anything to the contrary or truth or denying it but to me just like personal interjection here I don't really know how that makes much sense for Vancouver. Yeah, why? It, it just, I, like, that has to be like a, the, like, Benning wasn't a big Pavel Zaka guy, and whoever's there now, like, that whole triumvirate is, I guess? Because, like, I could see how this makes sense for New Jersey. You're sure. adding Brock Besser onto the wing of Jack Hughes. You hope it revitalizes his career a little bit, a little bit more of an offensive playmaker that he's playing with in New Jersey. Younger team, fresh start, blah, blah, blah. I get it for New Jersey, but for Vancouver... I think there's a significant drop-off in talent in that deal. And I think you could do a lot better for Brock Besser. So it's out there. I'm not here to you know confirm or deny it. I really don't know. And that's me being honest. You know, Everybody who knows me from Twitter knows that I don't pull punches. I keep it real. I keep it 100, as the kids say. But you know, it doesn't really make sense to me from a Vancouver standpoint. Let's slide down the coast a little bit. In the Pacific Ocean, your Anaheim Ducks and their crop of pending UFAs in our What's going on in Anaheim? Hampus Lindholm is the hot name right now. You're starting, yeah, you're starting to hear more and more of his name come up in circles. He's kind of bubbled throughout the year. He'll get hot and cold, hot and cold. But I think that's that's a name that's bubbling now along with Ricard Raquel. What's, uh, what's Lindholm's deal? Lindholm is a different breed of defenseman from what is out there right now. He's not a Ben Sherratt. He's not a John Klingberg. He, he's a little bit more on the plays a little bit more on the offensive side of the puck. There are fits for him around the league. I wonder Florida, if Florida misses out on a Ben Sherratt because they've been in that mix. I wonder if, you know, I wonder if St. Louis, 
is potentially in play for Lynn Holm to add to that blue line. I think they sorely, not that Vince Dunn was a world beater for, for San Luis, don't get me wrong. He, he was not. But I think they could use a guy who can move the puck a little bit on the back end. And Lindholm could do that. He could shoot the puck from the point. And uh, I like the fit there. But there are options for Anaheim. And that's why his name is kind of taken off. I know there's a certain website out there that loves to just come up with a list and just link like 40 names to each guy down the list. And then you hear like the same team names. You guys can figure out who I'm talking about. But Buzz. No, 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 no. Oh, really? Yeah, no, different one. Oh, damn. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw uh, our friends over there at HB under the bus. No, different one. Um, <laughs> they have a list every year, and it's like the same seven team names are linked to everybody, one through 25 on the list. Uh, I see. But, okay. okay. you know, I'm sure there's some truth to some of those name mentions. I think it's a little bit more speculative than, than what I would put out there. But Lindholm is definitely a hot name in circles right now, and I could see a deal being moved more so than Ricard Raquel, more so than a lot of other guys that they have in there, a lot of other than Manson, a lot of other there defensemen and forwards that they have in the UFA market. Manson might be the most interesting name come this summer. Um, you know, if he gets moved, great. He's hurt right now, but he is it's talking Buffalo Sabres. I mean, he is their, their first, first, uh, first pairing right defenseman of the future. If they can land him, I don't think they will. I don't think he wants to go be a part of a, uh, I call it a close to being complete rebuild. I don't know if I'm there yet, but he, they could, they, they might throw a bunch of money at him and he says, okay, screw it. I'm in. Especially if he goes and chases a cup this year. Oh yeah. Has the cup under his wing and uh, okay. We'll see. We'll see. I don't think there's a lot to that, but um, move back up the coast a little bit. Didn't give you a, a geography lesson today on cold stove, cold stove listeners. Tomas Hertel, who is equally hot and cold in the trade market some speculation now that the Sharks are going to table an offer to him in the next couple weeks. Anything there that says otherwise? San Jose obviously would like Tomas Hurdle back. I don't think there's a secret there. I think Tomas Hurdle's open to it too, but I think San Jose is looking for a bargain, as they say. I think that you're looking at San Jose potentially tabling offer in like the eight by six seven five range, which I just think is low. And I don't think Hurdle's camp is going to go yeah. for that. I think his number starts with. Starts with a seven and goes upwards from there, and goes yeah. upwards if not if not one higher than that. To be honest with you, maybe a high like a seven nine kind of sorted deal. I don't think many centers around the league are happy with Mika Zibanejad's contract. No, we'll leave it that way. <laughs> and I think that's why you're looking at the San Jose Sharks going. Eh, if we if we throw him a little less than seven, maybe we'll get him to bite because we can look at what's on the market. But that's what I've been hearing right now. We'll see how this evolves over the next couple of weeks. I stand by what I've said. I think San Jose really likes him back. I think Hurdle's open to it, but I think Hurdle needs to see a plan in place here for San Jose to compete sooner than later. Speaking of that West, uh, did you see our old friend Bob Murray, now a scout for the Calgary Flames? Saw that, and I was wondering why you'd kind of want to do that now. Like, I think that they're just they're saying, Bob, you're working from home and go to hockey games and send us some reports if you want. I think that's that's a. Uh, Maybe a Daryl Sutter. I was going to say, it's a buddy helping out a buddy type of deal. Nudge, nudge. Good to have friends in high places. The hockey equivalent of sleeping on your friend's couch after a breakup. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, it's pretty spot on. A team that made a move recently, probably the first big move of this season, was Montreal. They have a couple pieces left. Ben Sherratt and Jeff Petrie being the big ones. Any movement there? Nothing, you know, in terms of movement with the Montreal Canadiens. 
I think the thing we should talk about with, with the Habs right now is the resurgence of Cole Caulfield under Martin St. Louis. Hey, I'll tell you what, Marty St. Louis, he got me going. He got my wheels going. If he can do it with me, he can do it with Cole Caulfield Listen, 25 years later. All four foot eight combined of the two of them are killing it right now. Marty behind the bench, Cole on the ice. And Cole's talked about looking up to Marty St. Louis, you know, as he came up as a kid through the system in USA hockey. And you're seeing that. I wonder if there's some extra tutelage going on at practice. And yeah, I was going to say, how much of a confidence thing is that versus just like X's and O's? Confidence and X's and O's, but I think they go hand in hand, right? Like if you have Marty St. Louis, a guy that you've looked up to, because these players are human too. They're not robots. And Cole Caulfield's a young kid still trying to find his way in this league. If you have a guy like St. Louis, who you've looked up to for years, even worn his jersey number growing up, now behind the bench, and now you're working with this guy at practice every day. Not only is he giving you the X's and O's on being a little guy in the league and how to work around that, but you're also instilling the confidence in yourself because you're like, hey, this is the fucking guy, right? Like, I've looked up to this guy, and he made it, and I'm learning from him every day. Like, I feel great. Like, I get to go to the rink and learn from this guy that I've looked up to for so long. So I think it goes hand in hand between the X's and O's thing and the confidence thing, but he's killing it right now. I think he's got like eight in the last six, eight points in the last six games since Marty St. Louis took over. So yep. good stuff from Cole Caulfield. I, it's good for the Habs, right? Because if he was in Laval at one point this year, there were, it was looking bleak for, for Cole Caulfield and the Habs at one point. But now that he's kind of resurging his game, hopefully he keeps it up. It helps things in terms of a rebuild when he's performing. Yeah, another name over there in Montreal is Lekkanen. And I know he's sort of the hot sort of sleeper in the streets right now, whether it's in New York and maybe a Boston with Lekkanen. It, it, is Lekkanen just kind of getting the advantage or the the help from his some name dropping more than anything, or is that real? No, there's real smoke to it. I think the the advantage is in Ken Hughes' court because the more and more his name keeps dropping out there, there's a potential he gets bid up to a first-round pick. There you go. There you go. That could be, I mean, what do they have, three already? That could be five first-round pitch for them, potentially? Jeff Gordon. In a, in a draft in Montreal? Jeff Gordon special, because I called him Jeff Gordon the other day, and I got ripped apart for that, and stupid NRD bad. I slapped myself on the <laughs> wrist for that. That's a that's a NASCAR going by, if, uh, if you will allow me that reference. How about down in Dallas with our friends Joe Pavelski and John Klingberg? Dallas is still in the mix. That's the problem, yeah. right? Is Dallas I, is still in and the mix. And I don't want to, you know, give a cop out answer, but Dallas is still in the mix. And it is similar to Vancouver, not exactly, but similar to the JT Miller situation in Vancouver where it is going to be a day-by-day thing. If they have a potential to at least make a runner and still confidence in the lineup by going through the first round or whatnot, then maybe they hold on to him. Or if they fall out of it tomorrow, then he's going to be moved. Yeah, so it's more of a day-by-day thing. You know, there's many things to talk about now a month out. I think that's not one of them. I think that's closer to the deadline. Just a reminder that John Klingberg makes 4.25 as a right-hand shot pending UFA. But I don't know who's like number one in that class right now. Sherratt, Petrie, Klingberg, Madsen. not Braun. Like, what's it's not that? Justin Braun. No, it's not Justin Braun. Nor is it Rasmus Ristolainen. I'll, I'll go there. Um, and then scooting over to Florida who power rankings put them near the top of the league, if not at the top most recently. But they have a guy who's talented, who is a little bit buried right now, and that's a guy in Owen Tippett. If Florida is in win-now mode, 
Is that a trade piece? Because they're obviously not going to offer up great draft picks. But is that a piece they're willing to depart with? Or is it maybe an Anton Lundell? I want to clarify what I tweeted the other day about, actually it was yesterday at this point, about Anton Lundell. I don't think he's in play by any stretch of the imagination. What happened was a Ducks fan tweeted me a hypothetical. He said that if the Ducks were to offer up like a Lindholm, Raquel, and Comtois and a pick for Lundell, does that, you know, would good Florida do it? And I said, I think if you're Florida, you have to listen, right? Like if a team is going to give you half their UFAs to go on a cup run here and they fit into your lineup, then yeah, you, you listen if you're Florida. But other than that, I don't think Anton Lundell is available. He, he's extremely talented. I think Tippett is more of the trade chip that we're talking about. Tippett and a low first can get you some things around the league right now. So no more natural fit in Anaheim because daddy's not coaching. I mean, uh, in Edmonton because daddy's not coaching there. But there are potential fits around the league for Florida to make a move. If that's a Sherratt, right? Like we talked about a couple times and Elliot's mentioned Florida being a team in on Sherratt. And we know that a first is probably in the cards for a guy like Ben Sherratt. Plus, if the bidding war starts, is a tippet and, and a Sherratt, uh, and a first good enough Sherratt. Or if you look in the forward market, if Florida goes down the Giroux route, because we know they're interested in Claude Giroux, is a package of a first, a tippet, a couple of other pieces. They have a couple of guys in the AHL, uh, a Swedish kid or Finnish kid, I can't think of the name offhand right now, in the AHL that's not, obviously not Lundell, the Finnish kid, but they have some guys down there that like, if you put together a package and tip it in the first is part of that deal, does that entice uh, uh, Philadelphia? So there are things to do if you're Florida right now that don't involve Lundell. Lundell was just more of a hypothetical that was thrown to me. I don't think he's really in play as much as a tip it is as a trade ship. Yeah, they're big. They're, they don't have a first round pick this year. They don't have a second round pick this year. So the, the pick kind of deals are off the table unless you're a team willing to go out to 2023. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. The value of that no. draft. And you never know what happens. And so I could see, you You mentioned Sherratt, and I, I could see that's why I think Chikrin's name has been connected in Florida. Um, because Arizona is going to want eventually, you know, maybe not, but eventually they're going to want more than just picks. And they're going to want guys who are not four years away, not three years away. They're going to want guys that can step in and play even though they're young, step in and play tomorrow. And that's where Owen Tippett is. But then, it, like, uh, aside from Tippett, we're staying in Florida. Are you just going to keep Spencer Knight buried for five years behind Bobrovsky? I mean, what are they? what's the plan and goal with a prospect of, of that caliber? Zio has yeah. said he's off the table, but, but you make he, up, you, I mean, you bring up a great point. I'm not going to disagree with you. Like, if he's the final keystone in a deal that betters this team to win a Stanley Cup, I don't know how you say no to that. Like, he's not going to get right. 1A time right now. Bobrovsky's been playing pretty decently. He's earning a little bit more of that contract that he has that he signed for previously. So, like, he's not going to be the 1A. You're not going to take the net away from Bobrovsky right now. I don't know if you're Zio. Maybe it's, maybe it's just playing the media, playing everybody. But, like, if he's, if he's the piece that gets a deal done, I don't know how you say no to that. Sure. Yeah, and, and I don't think there's any illusion that Bobar, B- excuse me, Bobrovsky's going to play out the next you know four years of his contract at 33. I don't I don't think there anybody is saying that at 10 million dollars. But he's not not going to do the next two just fine, you know. And and so what's the plan with Spencer Knight? Is he going to be a really really talented one B? That 
you're going to have to pay more than nine twenty five in a couple of years. You have to pay a lot more. Or if is he's talented he, one yeah, year. right? Or is he like you can't you can't be a team spending fourteen million dollars on two goalies? And then you're in a situation That's just not going to happen. I mean, financials have obviously driven this one in Florida, but you look similar to like the New York Rangers situation and how Alexander Georgiev as an RFA has been getting paid like two two five as an RFA over the past couple of years, right? But he's not the starter because he's not taking that crease away from Shesterkin right now. And now you have a guy who, listen, he struggled. I think Spencer Knight's a better goaltender than Georgiev, but two guys that are both capable of probably starting around the league, and both of them are going to be sitting behind making upwards of $3 million as an RFA. They're going to want out. So is it better to sell now when you have the potential to add to this team and win a Stanley Cup, or do you hold on for dear life? So like, I think that's a decision that Zito's going to have to make. I'm not necessarily sold on Zito going out there and saying that Spencer Knight's off the table. Put that one in the the old uh, noggin rumor mill. Yeah, uh, best contract in hockey, by the way. Ryan Lomberg, seven hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, eight hundred the next two seasons. After that, he's on the uh, the Brett Merriman fantasy league team. Not actually, but I'm saying if I were to start, he's he is Jesper Brat, he is uh, uh, Joel Farabee, Ryan Lomberg. Honest, put those three on a line, and and you're we're rolling. I'll be honest with you. We've been saying that if if. The Austin Coyotes come to fruition. We got to call the games. I think we should run the team. I, mean, I think I'll throw my hat in the ring for sure. I Why think not? you. Uh, I think we get a rink built. I think we talk to I, hey, we talk to the people who are going to own the team. The powers that be. I got his number. Use the connections, and we'll uh, we'll run the show. I'll let you. I'll let you stay in charge of the uh, the expansion draft, man. You'll build a hell of a roster. Boom! There we go. Uh, a guy that won't be playing for the Austin Coyotes is Zdeno Chara, but will he be playing for the New York Islanders that much longer? NRD? Probably not. I could see a reunion in Boston in the cards. Really that's fitting, right? That's just that's solely a Petrov fastball right there. Shouts to Petrov. It's a Don Sweeney fastball, right? Like all this hype. Don Sweeney's always active. Tire kicker Don, and then it's going to end up being Zdeno Chara for like a fourth round pick, fifth round pick. <laughs> Tire kicker Goff. He would that do is that. Don Sweeney in a nutshell right there. So, you know, don't discredit a reunion, but the Islanders are heading towards a sell-off. We talked about them last week. I saw the quote, you know, I appreciate some of the, the Islander friends listening with their ears to the quote that I gave out there last week in, in my mini Islanders rant about how the team just needs less Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz players. They need... A mm-hmm. different type of player, different type of player in the system. I don't think it won't work. I just think that you got two really stubborn hockey minds in charge right there that want to get players that are their mold. And I think sometimes you have to break the mold a little bit. Shouts to Smash Mouth and that hit song All Star. You got to break the mold every once in a while. And uh, that's what I think the Islanders need to do. So they're headed towards a sell off. Clutterbuck, big name mentioned. Joe Sackick was out on the island the other day scouting. Presumably, we would think Kyle Clutterbuck. Potential depth piece on Colorado's fourth line as they make a playoff push here. Imagine Cal Clutterbuck and Nazem Kadri taking a run at your head in the playoffs. I'd be scared too. You know, there's there's veterans on the Islanders team that they're looking to get rid of. And it's about due time. So Char is in play, potentially Boston reunion. Clutterbuck, potentially the Avalanche. Scott Mayfield. A lot of fits there. Get George Peros on the line, if that's the case. And R.D., Let's head to some housekeeping. Sean Avery has signed with the ECHL's Orlando Solar Bears. Are you excited for the return of Sean Avery, NRD? I want to know how hard it was to reel in his skates out of the Hudson River. <laughs> I thought, yeah, well, wasn't that his whole deal? Yeah. He, the day he retired, he threw his skates in the Hudson. He never wants to step on ice again. He went on a 
He went on what Watch What Happens Live on Bravo with Andy Cohen. He said he's retiring from hockey and he threw his skates in the Hudson River. I I hope he fished those out. I hope he knows exactly where he put them. <laughs> this has to like what is what is this? Is there I mean is this just ECHL like some juice for them? I mean, what are we doing here? It's some juice for the ECHL. I'm sure it's a, it's a short-term contract. Who knows if Sean Avery's going to give it a go? He's not going to be back in the NHL again. I can tell you that much at 42 years old. But you know, I was Does upset. He need a paycheck or something? What's his deal? I don't know if it's a paycheck. I mean, he's been pretty good as an extra in the acting scene. So shouts to him. Jeez. I think he was an extra on one of the cop shows on ABC or something like that. Maybe the rookie or something like that. But you know, I was upset. When uh, Marie-Philippe Poulin, uh, Poulin of Team Canada, the women's team, turned down a contract in the ECHL from the uh, Canadians ECHL affiliate, they actually offered her the contract post-Olympics. Now I see why. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. would why would you want to play uh, with, with, in a league like that? Yeah, I. Hey, that's not shots to the uh, not necessarily to knock the E, but like I understand why she's like, nah, you know, I'd rather just grow the game of women's hockey. I like that. The uh, Adirondack, I believe it was the Ice Hawks back in the day. Adirondack, they were an ECHL team. Ice, was it the Ice? Brett's moonlighting Ice is close yeah. over in turn right now, looking it up. Adirondack Ice Hawks. They were owned by Steve Levy and Barry Melrose um, back in the day, man. And then they became the Frostbite after that, before becoming the Thunder and the whatever the hell they've been the last couple of years. Anyway. Uh, Tyler Johnson, current Chicago Blackhawk, playing this weekend after receiving the same surgery that Jack Eichel got and has since recovered from. How bad does this make look, uh, Terry Pagula look? And, and please, and please go all in. Not good. No, they look like morons who who believe in like the leeches and twentieth century medicine. Like, what are we doing? I'm so happy for Jack Eichel. I'm so happy for Tyler Johnson. But, like, what the fuck are we doing in Buffalo? My God. It's a different world where Terry Pagula was raised, man. They used to rub butter on ACL tears. So They lived in, the like, the coal mines. What are we doing? We don't trust modern-day fucking medicine to, to, to put a, an artificial dish. Oh, my God. What are we doing? These guys are these guys are fine. Jack Eichel looks fine. He looks better than fine. It's a great day to be Jack Eichel and seeing Tyler Johnson come back for that. Holy vindication, that is. Jack Eichel's first game was February 16th. Like we said, guess where he could have been really useful? In a shootout against the Slovaks? Uh-huh. Shout out to the Slovaks, though. Really cool moment with Miro Shatan today where they did the uh, the bronze medal parade. Yep. Thought that was awesome. First, first medal ever in hockey men's yep. hockey for them so and which is very surprising to me for as as good as the, the those teams have been and, and the players coming out of this of slovakia and and previously czechoslovakia you would think right like surprising first every battle, once yeah. in a while one of those smaller you know server countries gets hot in yeah. hockey. like i went down the rabbit the olympic rabbit hole the other day it's just shits and giggles mm-hmm. like the o2 olympics in uh salt lake city belarus mm-hmm. was in that semifinal against team that's crazy against team canada that's crazy. Like Belarus uh, hockey hot power. So like, never knew Finland. By the way, didn't want a gold. Yeah, medal. you would think that Finland would have had something under their belt. Would have had one or yeah, yeah. Interesting. Who would have thought? Anyway, that's my long way of saying screw Terry Pagula and his handling of Jack Eichel's neck. But um, 
NRD, that's that's it for me today. Anything you want to hit before we no, leave? I think we uh, we nailed everything. We're less than a month out now, so things are slowly but surely working their way towards the deadline. We're here. Send us your questions at NHL Rumors Daily. I've myself, but also hit up the show account at Cold Stove Pod. We're going to constantly answer your questions. We're going to bring some more on air next week, hopefully. And uh, appreciate all the support. Five stars. Leave it on Spotify. Leave it on Apple. Write a review. Tweet us a review. I don't care what you do. Retweet. Quote tweet. Doesn't matter to me. Keep listening. Keep up the support. We appreciate it. And I'm going to drop this on NRD Live here. Do you want to two weeks or two episodes a week all of March? How does that sound? That is a plan. I am locking it in. Sign the contract. I think people listening, if they made it to the end of the episode here, there's, there's gold at the end of the rainbow. There's lucky charms yes, at the end got... of the rainbow. Here it is. Two episodes a week starting <laughs> you, in March. Pulling back the curtain, two episodes a week starting. I guess that makes it next yeah. week. So uh, we'll see you twice next week. Last thing, I think the reason why we want to do that is because there's been some chatter about not just the deadline, but it seems to be that teams are going to make things happen sooner than later, this year especially, given you know, given COVID, given the where where people are at in their lives that part of the trades this year are going to be with players mental physical etc health in mind and that means getting them onto teams sooner than later so we might see more action ahead of a traditional deadline sprint capiche that's why we're here all right that's why we're here. Let's see. Uh, we'll see you next week, NRD. We'll see you next week, Cold Stove Pod. Listeners, we are at Cold Stove Pod on Twitter. I am Brad Merriman at Schmerriman. That's NRD, NHL Rumors Daily. On Twitter, he's not going anywhere. Thank you, Adam, behind the scenes. And we'll see you all next Shouts week. Shouts to Columbus, man. Shouts to Columbus. Bye-bye.